You are now listening to the Hot Take Hotbox. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hotbox. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hotbox. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hot Take Hotbox. My name is Matt McSweeney, joining you today on May 20th, 2022. The 76ers season, the 2022 season, is dead in the water, and morale is extremely low. Uh, I've still, I've just been in, in a state of uh, depression and uh, just kind of... Uh, I don't know what the, like, miffed, I don't know what the word is, uh, just confusion of how this could have gone down and could have gone left so quickly. I mean, you listen to the last podcast, I was pie in the sky, we were ready to, to take the world by storm, and, uh, you know, I, 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 it's not something that's shocking to me. As soon as you get excited in this town or in sports in general, you're the, someone is there, something is there to humble you immediately and, and put you back in your place, and that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what the Miami Heat did to the Philadelphia 76ers. And, uh, but the the sad thing I would say m- 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 mainly here is that it was not all the Miami Heat's doing. It was not a we got worked over by a team that was way better than us and that we have no business being on the same court as. I never got that feeling the whole time watching it. They were better than us probably, but we had our fair share of talent. It wasn't this big discrepancy and where we, yeah, like we, it was David versus Goliath. We have James Harden. We have Joel Embiid. We had Tobias Harris. We had Tyrese Maxey. Like we had our fair share of talent on this team. May not have been as deep as them, but it should not have gone as left as disgracefully as it wound up going here to end the 76ers season. And we will go through game five and game six. I had the unfortunate pleasure of being at Game 6. We will talk about all of it. I'm sorry my energy is low right now, but this this just it kills me inside to have to sit here and talk about this bullshit. Uh, it, it, we're gonna, it's going to be a lot of... It's not going to be specifically about these games. It's a culture. It, it's a, a mindset. It's everything from top to bottom that this franchise, this team, is just not... It does not embody or exemplify the characteristics or traits of a championship basketball team or organization. It is a team that is kind of just uh, a bunch of posers, I guess I should say. But let's just get into it, okay? So this series is 2-2, okay? Hope is back in the city. Hope is back within the organization. Momentum has swung to our side. We just took both games at home. With relative ease, uh, you know, Game Four was a little tougher. You needed, needed some James Harden, you know, throwback performances, but still, they they the guys came, you know, the guys got it done. Simply put, and B comes back with the facial fracture. He's back. He 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 looks good. You know, he doesn't look like himself. Doesn't look like one hundred percent, but he's still any sort of version of Joel Embiid was was going to be a, a net positive due to the fact that you had a Paul Reed and you had DeAndre Jordan playing minutes like it, it was he was going to help no matter what game 5 disgusting disgusting effort from the very beginning very very tip of the ball they had they had nothing for them 
They got emasculated. Struess came in, made threes. As soon as you knew, like, like I talked about on here, that the role players always play well at home as opposed to on the road. As soon as they started making threes, it seems like all right, like we're we're good. Well, let's get out of here. Let's like you know, let's quit. Had enough. This isn't our night. Whatever. Joel didn't show up pretty much until the third quarter. He he, you know, they were playing they were playing that zone, and our team has no ability to beat that zone or has any ability to run uh offensive set to get Joel a look that's not thirty feet from the basket. He's posting up Gabe Vincent and guards at the top of the key, and then what? You know, like it's then he's going to distribute from the top. It, it he's not even getting it at the foul line or, or you know behind these guys where he can then attack the second layer of the zone. He, he's sitting at the top, and it's just like, what, what's he going to do? He's going to put the ball on the floor, and it's an instant steal. I mean, the offense has absolutely no flow whatsoever. If you watch these other teams play, the the, the remaining teams left in, in this in this playoff in this tournament. They all move the ball. They run consist the the consistently successful offensive sets, and they have players who can execute these sets with with absolute ease. They have more than maybe one guy who can dribble the floor and run the offense, or dribble the ball and run 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 the offense, run the floor. You know, whatever. I'm I'm gonna be a little critical of some guys here. Okay, so I, I want you to uh, be 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 aware of that. Okay. Maxi, he's one of the guys I'm going to be very critical of. Harden, obviously, I'm going to be very critical of. Joel, I'm going to be critical of him as well. Even Tobias, but you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really have much to say about him, to be honest. But Joel scores 17 points in that in that game five. Harden comes out with a 14 point five for 13 performance. Kind of just hung out, not much to do, you know, not much to say. Just, uh, it, it is what it is, kind of. That's what it felt like from a lot of these guys. It is what it is. Maxi had nine points, two of ten, played horrible. Horrible. Danny Green, two of four, like, that's not much, you know. And then uh, Tobias, obviously, four, four, five of 14. That ain't going to do it. That ain't going to get it done. Sixers lose. They get blown out. But, yeah, people point to, look, uh, with the Toronto series, when we we played the Raptors the year they beat us off the, the Kawhi shot, we got blown out in Game Five in their house. You know, we we weren't even in that game, and then we came back Game Six and blew them out. So it's not necessarily, you know, series over, season over. We can, we we can we can get back. You know, we can fight back. We 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 can win this Game Six and force a Game Seven. We'll see what happens in Miami. You know, maybe maybe we'll bring a different energy or something like that. You know, how foolish we were, how foolish we may think. This is the fan in us trying to. Reason, ra- rationalize, make it happen, maybe believe in it in some way. Game five happens, you lose. All right, down three two. We're coming home though. Going to the Wells Fargo Center. We come out. It, it's a good, pretty good start. You know, it, it's a back and forth game. Brutal, brutal. Danny Green blowing his knee out with Joel falling into him. It, it, that's an absolutely. Awful, awful, awful thing to happen. Uh, I mean, not only with an injury, but kills complete momentum. It just brings the energy down, on not only in the team, but the whole building. It was just, you felt awful for Danny Green. He, he's he's kind of been a glue guy for this team. They need him out there. He's a somewhat of a, uh, you know, provides a little bit of leadership where no one else pretty much on this team provides it other than Joel, which it kind of, 
seems to fall on deaf ears or doesn't really get through or connect with these guys cuz I uh, I mean the same we have the same energy problems time and time again it's probably because they follow the energy of their leader and their their leader is huffing and puffing with his hands on his on his knees midway through the second quarter and, and I understand he's hurt and everything and whatnot, but that that's just it, that trickles down. Okay, um, that's all I'm going to say for that right now. So they went down for a little bit in the beginning, uh, you know, midway through that first half, and then they came back. They they made a little bit of a push, came back, got it to a one point game going into halftime. The vibes were good, energy was high. We're in this game. We're putting up some. We're putting up a fight. And we're not going to go away easily. That was the thought. Second half starts, and they come out flat as fuck. No energy, no urgency, little to no effort. It just seemed like it. It was just they were kind of cool with what was happening. Miami was not cool. They they had urgency. They took control of the game. They 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 grabbed the game by the horns, and they said, "Listen, we're, we're going to give this ball to Jimmy Butler, and he's going to make it happen." And that's exactly what happened. They ran. Possession after possession of good offense, pick and high pick and roll that they could not guard. Butler coming down off the pick and roll, attacking Embiid, going downhill, making him work on both ends of the floor so that he could hit. You could minimize his his impact on the offensive end if you attack him on the defensive end and make him work possession after possession after possession. And they just they they kind of like just ran away with it in the beginning and. I know a lot of people are going to use the excuse that the team wasn't deep enough or that the, the these role players, the bench guys, didn't do their thing. And uh, we will get into all of that. At, at, uh, once this game is done, I will talk about all of the what's next and, and where this went wrong, whatever. But in this game, specifically in that game six, the starters were the ones on the floor when the game got when the game slipped away. When, the, when we lost control, the starters were out there. Joel Embiid, James Harden, Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey. Those were the guys on the floor when the season slipped away, slipped right through our fingers. They're the ones who came out flat with almost no urgency whatsoever. Like it was not a closeout game in their own building. Like the season wasn't on the line. With these 24 minutes that you had to play. They got worked over. And it wasn't a, a situation in my mind where it was... We were just get, Like I said, we weren't getting beat by a basketball team who was that world above us or that much better than us. The, it seemed, there were rebounds hitting the floor. Uh, guys cutting baseline where Harden was just standing around. It, was just, it seemed a lot effort related. Where there was a lot of quit in the Sixers. They don't have anyone, and this is so cliche, and I feel disgusting saying stuff like this, but it it's so true. They don't they don't have a dog. They don't. They don't have a guy uh, uh, who's going to push the rest of these guys and say this uh, this isn't enough. This effort isn't cutting it, guys. We're 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 getting worked over. They're bitching us out right now, man. Nothing. We get bullied all the time. Every, like it, it seems every playoffs we get bullied, and, and year after year we're just supposed to be okay with it, cool with it. We're just gonna kind of shuffle the deck and bring guys, bring a new crew back, or bring this guy back, or bring that guy back. James Hart. I mean, 
let, let's get into it then. All right. So the Sixers lose. They they they, they melt down from the the beginning of the second half on, and it kind of they they make a little bit of a a, a pushback of whatnot, but. Towards and at some point the lead is up to twenty, and the Sixers kind of cut it back to the end and make it look closer than it actually was. But the game was not close whatsoever. It was a blow. Like the the we were done with with about eight minutes, seven minutes, six minutes left in the fourth quarter, and we kind of were trying to make a little bit of a run. Then effort started to kick in. Like oh wow, the season might be over. Let's actually start tr- like let's put some pressure. Let's play with a little bit of urgency. Let's you know. Let's start pressing a little bit. Let's trap a little. Like it was just, it every too little, too late. Then, then we wanted to start, you know, attacking the bucket or trying to get some good shots and, and all shit like that. And Miami basically knew it was over, so that they they kind of laid back and just chilled for a little bit. And B goes seven of twenty four from the field. It, what what would you rather have? Seven of twenty four, or four of nine from one of your your top level players? From the guy you got to drive the offense, to be the one who is going to initiate all everything. James Harden, closeout game, four of nine. That's that, that in my mind is worse. That at nine attempted shots throughout a, a how many minutes did he play? I mean, it's a forty-eight minute basketball game. James Harden played forty-two minutes in that game. Forty-two minutes. Nine shot attempts. He he has eleven points in the closeout game. That's the, the the reasons like that. That's why you're losing. Okay, you have no one who's willing to take 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 ownership of what's going on and say, "Listen, give me the ball. I'm gonna figure this out." I'm not I'm not blaming Joel so much for that because he, again, he's a center. I've been I've screamed on this podcast for years and years. You can't. He can't be the only. He needs help. Joel Embiid. If you're the if you're any position, especially the center, you need help. But Joel needs help. It, it, having people get him the ball. He's posting up in a zone. All right, he's trying to post up Bam out of bio or whoever is down there. And if he's even able to get the ball, he's lucky enough to get the ball through three different sets of defenders. He, he then is is double teamed and triple teamed in the post. And, and what much can he do other than throw it back out for a Tobias Harris three or someone like that? You know, it, it it's they, they, the offenses. Or the defense's goal when they play a Joel Embiid is to make sure that Joel Embiid does not beat them. They are like, let's have someone else beat us. And no one else was beating them this series. Other than James Harden in Game 4. That's it. That zone was killer. When when they played man, he was able to get some some good offensive looks and spread the floor out and get those, those, you know, top top of the key elbow looks. Where he's getting one-on-one action with Dwayne Dedman or Bam Adebayo, like that was very few and far between. Because I think the Miami Heat realized that that that's the key for the Sixers to get success, or like that's the easiest way for the Sixers to get back in these games and win these games is if they can get Joel going. If you don't let them get Joel going, then they have to rely on James Harden, uh, a 21-year-old Tyrese Maxey, and a Tobias Harris who's very inconsistent shooter and you can leave him in that corner for that three and he'll make you know 30 percent of them and at, at some point you can live with that but at the end of the day it's more than just offense and defense and all these little you know the the x's and o's and, and just all of that to me the most disgusting part is it just didn't seem to matter to a lot of the guys out there 
That that's I know it does, but it just there was no urgency in their play. In in there was no urgency to the fact that this was it, man. This was the last game of the season. You you have to lay it all on the line, get out there and just just give it you know give it everything you have. I don't know if Harden is hurt or not. I don't know, but I've seen this Harden a lot in these closeout games throughout his career, where it seems like he just shells up and uh, shies away from the moment. He, uh, uh, him and Maxi did not want anything. I mean, they were a walking turnover. There was a couple possessions where they were turning the ball over back and forth, where they would give the ball to Harden. He's trying to take three guys off the dribble and going behind his back in the middle of the, you know, in the middle of the key, right at the foul line, getting it stolen from out of bio. Dunk Butler. It's an eighteen point game now. It, it's just disgusting. Neither one of those guys wanted the ball, and at a certain point, you have Shake Milton running the offense because he's the only guy that's not fucking scared. He says, hey, give me the ball. I'll figure this shit out. Like, I ain't got nothing to lose. I mean, this just that can't happen, man. That cannot happen under any circumstance. At least the Bucks have a good excuse. They had one of their guys out, and they gave it their all. Like, they, they get, got to a game seven. They lost on the road. Like, it is what it is. We lost at home with a despicable beginning of the second half effort. You can use the Joel excuse if you want. If that makes you feel better. Then by all means, go ahead and say, "Oh well, if he had played in those first two games, we we may maybe we win one of those." And blah 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 blah. At the end of the day, the series was two two. Okay, even you have to win two of the next three games. They got swept in those three games. They lost two straight. Point blank period. Thanks for coming. See you later. Losing at home, no excuse for it. Especially when that other Miami team did not lose at home the whole series. Okay? Maxie had 20. One of seven from three. Like I said, you lose Danny Green early on. Tore his ACL and LCL. So who knows when you'll see him next year. Then you're having to play guys like Korkmaz. Guys like Thibel only playing 11 minutes in, replace, in replacement. Niang can barely move. Uh, didn't make a three in this game. Like Milton had 15 because, like I said, he was the only one that was willing to take ownership of what was going on and continue to just shoot the ball and continue to keep playing. It's just, it's despicable. It, 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 tru- it truly, that game six was one of the most disgusting things I've ever watched. And, and I was at game seven last year, and I was not at that game five, which I'm glad I wasn't. But that was probably that's probably worse than this from people who were there, and, and it was worse watching it at home. But just due to the fact that this was a closeout game, this was season on the line, everything on the line, and you have guys like James Harden who are just kind of walking up and down the floor, like just cool with what's going on. Like it's just all right. I don't. I don't want the ball. I. I don't. I don't need the ball right now. I'm good. Like the. It's not. It ain't my night or whatever it is. Like. Oh man, I, I just. I have so much, so much to say. Uh, so let's just go, let's go player by player, and, and then we'll figure out what's next for this team. So Joel Embiid, like I said at the end of the day, I'm not going to blame him too much. He can't, he's not. Uh, there's no, he's not absent of blame though. That 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 needs to be that needs to be clear. Because at the end of the day, if you're the leader, and you are the guy who's you know he he's taken ownership of it, like I've said on here. And he's the one that's, uh, well, I need to get these guys going. I need to push these guys and all that. Well, you didn't do a good enough job. You didn't. Because the, the team, 
laid down like dogs in in the in the beginning of that third quarter, and, and they kind of just let it happen. They let Miami take this game from them at home, and you were out there on that floor, and you are as much responsible as anyone else is. I understand you're hurt. I understand you have both you know multiple injuries that you're dealing with. You're still the leader. They still follow your lead, and the, and it's just not a good look that that's the effort that a team's going to give in a situation like that. I didn't like. I, I didn't. There's just a lot I didn't like. I didn't like the body language the whole time. I, I I get you're injured, but you can't let the other team know that you're injured or you're feeling those injuries at all times. You can't be shaking your hand out every time you miss a foul shot or a jump shot. The mask was coming off nonstop, but I'm not going to blame him for that so much because I'm sure it's hot as fuck under that thing. And he's wiping it off and whatnot, but it just he's blinking and stuff like that. It was just like the other team knows he's not 100. percent so they were attacking him. They were going after him, and they were making him work. And I, I just feel like you're just kind of showing your hand or showing your cards, and just letting the other team know that I'm not, I'm not all there. You know, I'm not ready to go. And so the body language I didn't like, and I think your your teammates also feed off that because they know well he's not feeling 100. percent And it's, you know, you would say, oh well, then they should pick up for him. Well, they also kind of you could see from these guys they shell up and say, well, if he, you know. If we don't have Joel, what are we gonna do? Like, oh my God, he's not. You know, I don't, what do I? What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's. And I don't even think that that part comes from James Harden. Because I don't think I, I really don't I really don't know if these results matter to James Harden. I don't think it really matters whether we win or lose. Truly, he it, it seemed to me like he was just kind of cool with what was going on, whatever it was. When he hit the shots to end that game four, it was like wow, like he's back. You know, all that. And then I, I just to to go and put up those those stinkers in game four, five, and six. It, it, it just uh, it makes no sense to me. And again, I'm not even strictly talking about the offensive end because he was absent on defense. Like I told you, like there was a couple possessions where he was not boxing out. He was standing around. He was letting boards happen right around them. He was letting dudes cut baseline and get easy dunks and layups. It. it, it it was just like effort. It's effort related, effort based. All of it, you know. Like it, it, that's what defense is essentially. You can, you know, I, I understand you can give all the effort in the world. You can still get cooked, but I'd rather have that than have some guy standing around and ju- with his hands in his pockets, waiting for waiting for them to throw him the ball up so he can dribble the ball up the floor and, and do a couple crossovers behind the backs and throw it to a guy with six seconds left. He instantly revert like the the Sixers offense went back and oscillated back and forth between that that free flowing and, and you know the uh, the ball was flying around the perimeter and we were getting good looks and we were working the ball to Joel and all that to stand around and, and isolation dribble the clock out and then and then hot potato the ball that that was a, that was a big time problem towards the end of the, uh, the regular season, and it kind of went away, and then it came back, you know? They're playing zone, and he's trying to beat guys off the dribble. You know, it, it's just there's... And maybe that's a doc problem, because he, he's not without blame, and, and apparently he's coming back next year, which makes zero to no sense uh, at all. Why, why, I mean, two, two results exactly back-to-back in a row. You shuffled the players around... I think now it's it would be time to get a new coach in here, but I, I imagine ownership doesn't want to pay another coach to not coach for us, and they just kind of are going to run it back with Doc because he's a top 15 coach of all time and blah, 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 all that, okay? So Harden, not good enough. 
He hasn't been good enough. He wasn't good enough. That one night only showing of him in game four was awesome, but it's not something that's going to be replicated. What's the hope is that he had an injury or the hamstring was bothering him or he's just been out of shape and he's going to rejuvenate himself this offseason. He's going to come back and he's going to be fitter and ready to go for a longer period of time, longer stretch of time. He's going to have a little more burst next year. He's going to be able to get by people. The legs aren't going to give out on him. He's going to be able to shoot his step back threes and he's just going to be more consistent with his offensive game, more aggressive. I don't, I don't believe that that, you know, like I don't, he's going to be 33 now. How, how, how am I supposed to believe that that's actually going to happen? I don't, I, you know, I'm not sitting here like, yeah, like James Harden's going to, he, he, he's going to come back next year, a different animal, bro. He's going to be crazy next season. Yeah. He's going to be 33. Now, I, I don't believe that, you know, and now that he's good, he could be a free agent. He could walk, but he's not going to, cause he's not going to get the money that he's expecting from other teams. And he's especially not going to get the money from a team that's uh, contending. If that matter, he claims that that matters. So if that matters to him at all, like this is his best option. And if he really does care about the team and if he does, he is willing to take a deal that's a little bit less than the max or, or something less than that 47 million that he's owed on that player option, then that would, that, that changes things for the Sixers a little bit. That would allow them to maybe go out and attack another max contract, you know, move Tobias and we'll, we'll discuss some of the names, uh, you know, in a bit. Maxi is another guy who needs to take another step. He's young, so the, 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 my criticism of him it, it remains uh, at a at a low pitch, I would say, because like I said, he's a young player, and he the growth he shoe he shoe well uh, showed 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 from last year to this year was leaps and bounds. You know, it was immense. So I imagine he can do that again next season. Uh, you know that that's my hope, but right now he's not. I would like to see him develop into more of a traditional point guard. He has all the offensive tools in the game, but it just doesn't seem like he really knows or is comfortable running the offense. He kind of seems more. He has that scoring, just kind of give me the ball, go get a bucket mentality, which we need. But we also sometimes need him to rein it back and run the offense and be a, a legitimate point guard and get people in the right spot, and there's a lot that goes into actually being a point guard. You watch guys like Chris Paul and Drew Holiday and, you know, even a Marcus Smart's a pretty good point guard these days, but it's, you watch the teams that are, are still still around, you know, Steph Curry, like, those guys know the, their offense, they know where guys are supposed to be, they know when the pass needs to be thrown, They get, like, there's a lot of different little intricate elements and details that go into being a point guard. I mean, look at even Rajon Rondo couldn't shoot a lick, but he was one of the, he's one of the best, you know, pure passing point guards that the league's seen in the last, you know, decade, whatever. I don't know, name your years, whatever, but Rondo was awesome at running an offense. And that's what I need a little bit more of Max. I'm not, I, don't start going, oh, you know, you want him to be around or on occasion. Shut up. All right. Shut, shut the fuck up. I'm saying he needs to add a little bit more of that to his game, mixed in with that scoring, and he'll he'll be elite. I don't want to trade him. I really don't. Uh, the more I think about it, it wouldn't stop me from trading him for a, 
elite, elite talent. But it's not like I'm not throwing him in the Bradley Beal trade. All right, I'm not throwing him in a, a Zach Levine. Will be a name that we talk about. And another thing I did want to go back. I just want to touch on quickly. James Harden shooting nine times is basically like eleven points, nine assists. That, that's a Ben Simmons game, and you provided us no defense. That that's that's what I that's what that's what I was thinking the whole time at the game. This guy is giving us nothing on the offensive end, almost nothing. He's barely running the offense. He's not even. He's not. He can't even go down and stand in the dunker spot like 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 Ben could have. And he's just kind of standing around, waiting for you to throw the ball to him so that he can do nothing or, or move like pass the ball again. Like it. He gave us basically nothing. There, no no. His ability to play like his ability to play point guard. I guess was grossly overestimated. It's not like he ran the offense much better than Ben Simmons did. It's not like he created more like opportunities or anything. You know, all towards the end and in those last games, he was basically just Ben Simmons without defense, and that that's disgusting. That is absolutely despicable. That, that, that's the version of James Harden that we wound up getting. And that's the most typical Philadelphia thing of all time that we get a former MVP, a guy who's one of like the one of the great like greatest isolation scorers of all time. And, and he completely loses his powers as soon as he steps into the two one five. He can't he, he you know, he can't create anything off the dribble. He can't hit a step back anymore. He his legs are completely gone. Like just you know, just name reason after reason after reason after reason why he's not the player that he used to be anymore. That that's that's the most Philadelphia thing of all time. We we trade for a number one pick. Uh, you know, uh, he's from Washington, and he his shoulder stops working. He forgets how to shoot a basketball, and then we have to trade him for Jonathan Simmons. And we we pass on uh you know Jason Tatum and other guys who just wound up to be you know be. The perennial all stars and guys who like look like they're going to go to the Hall of Fame one day, you know. While we're sitting here with broken down James Harden and no help to surround Joel Embiid. Now, unfortunately for all this, Tobias Harris is probably going to be the one who goes, as is uh, Matisse Thibel, which I don't feel bad about that. But <clears throat> the reason I feel bad for uh, Tobias Harris is just because he. Well, he was one of the only ones that I noticed was all effort, all heart, all urgency in, in those games, but he just wasn't able to match that with actually making shots or making like a huge impact in those games. He 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 made a, a you know he had a couple good scoring offensive games, and, and I thought he was willing to do the dirty work. He was guarding Butler a lot of the time, like he was doing a lot of stuff that the other guys. Not, I'm not sure if they didn't want to do, but he, he just was doing a lot of the dirty work, I would say. And unfortunately, he's going to be the one that, he's going to be the scapegoat. Not, not even necessarily the scapegoat, but someone has to go, and he's the most movable, valuable piece. Big contract and whatnot, but he's a guy who can play. He, he's a good player. He is. He, he's not he's not a number one on, on a team, but he can be a good, a, a solid two. Not, not a great two, but... Solid two and a real good th- third piece. If your second piece actually steps up and plays well, so ideally him and Thibel are going to be the ones that move. That's just how that's how the cookie crumbles. That's how this goes. 
You're gonna you're gonna want to your two options are to turn Tobias Harris into two to three role players that you could maybe make a move and just get something for him or maybe shed his salary and then you could go into the free agent market and maybe get some guys if that could even be possible or you trade him in a package and get that third star or or get a, a, a legitimate third piece that you can put next to Harden and Embiid and you kind of shuffle the deck again and reattack this thing next year. That 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 is probably the the likely option that they are going to go after. It's going to come down to who's available and who like could we even get one of these guys. So the two names I've saw and I've already mentioned them so far are Bradley Beal and Zach Levine. Zach Levine is a new name that's going uh around on the internet due to the fact that he is now going to take meetings with other teams, and that's never a good sign if you have a, a, a player or a prospective free agent and they want to talk to other teams or, or discuss anything with them because it usually means, you know, I mean, it's very possible, but it usually means they get lured away from their current situation. And after getting worked over by the Bucks in the first round, I imagine that guy you know who's going to get paid no matter where he goes is probably going to want to go to a more uh winning situation i don't think the triumphant of him derozan and vucevic is going to win anything and he probably thinks the same thing as well so it's obviously very possible that he could you know end up coming here in a sign and trade or something along those lines so and there's also reports coming out that they're very interested in Matisse Thibel. So like that, it, a lot of little tea leaves could be add up to maybe Tobias Harris and Matisse Thibel for Zach Levine. And I, I did see a tweet which made sense to me. And you know, if the difference of making, I, you'd obviously if if it, everything was even, then yeah, you'd rather have Bradley Beal than Zach Levine. But if the difference of that is making. Uh, are having to put Maxi in a deal with the Wizards as opposed to getting Bradley B- or getting Zach Levine from the Bulls for Thibel and Harris. Now I probably would just do the do the Levine deal, and we could then you know add around those guys. Levine could take the ball out of Harden's hands, and you could still have Maxi to create as well. It, it it the the vibes would change. The dynamic would feel a little bit better. That it has been feeling recently. So that's where I'm at with that. If you could get a swing a deal for one of those guys, then that's fine. But right now, the, the my I feel like I'm glad I did this a week later as opposed to the day after, because I would have been saying that we're done. The process is dead. We are we stink. Like it, it, I was so low on this team, and I'm still very low. Make no mistake about it. But I am starting to come around a little bit more to just feeling a little little bit better. Uh, about the positive, you know, maybe the hopes and prayers of uh, of the future of the 76ers than I was maybe a week ago. It's just not good. And I, I'm going to have to have someone come on so we can discuss the Sixers' future in depth more and, and just everything that circle, circles around it. And just, it's just, there's a lot of different elements that, you know, you could talk about the past, the mistakes they've made, the trades they've made, all that. I don't really, it doesn't really do much for me. And I guess another thing I did uh, want to talk about before we got out of here is the Jimmy Butler thing, him acting like they picked Tobias Harris over him, which is just not true. If Jimmy Butler wanted to be here, he would have been here. Let me just say that point in blank. It's it's very, very, very easy for me to say that. 
he would have been here. If he wanted to be here, he would have been here. The Sixers would have made it happen. They didn't pick Al Horford over him. They didn't pick Tobias Harris over him. They didn't pick anybody over him necessarily. Maybe they were scared of him, his mentality or his personality or whatnot. Then that's more. I'm willing to listen to that more than saying that he he picked. They picked Tobias Harris over him, or they picked somebody over him. They did not pick anybody over him. Jimmy Butler did not want to be here. He didn't like the coach. He didn't like Ben Simmons. He just didn't want to be here. It's that simple. He wanted to be Joel Embiid's teammate, but he wanted Joel Embiid to come to Miami with him. He, he doesn't. He doesn't want want to be here. He didn't want to be in Philadelphia. It's that simple. Miami's a much better place to live. It's just it, I don't really buy into all this nonsense that it was like the Sixers let him slip through their fingers and he really wanted to be here, but they just didn't make it happen. Like no. If he wanted to be here, he would be here. That simple in my mind. And he's not here, obviously, because he, again, did not really want to be here. So that's that. That's the 76ers talk for now. I did about 40 minutes on that. I don't really want to uh, kill any more time doing that because I could, I could talk in circles all day. I also want Donovan Mitchell. I don't think he's going to get traded. But that, that is my pie-in-the-sky hope that we could. I would trade Maxi for him. Give it Tobias, Maxi, picks, whatever you want. Thibel, give me, trade it all. And I'll, I want Donovan Mitchell. I want a guy who's willing to chuck 30 shots a game shamelessly and will not will not give a shit about what's going on. So that's that. Uh, Sixers, go Sixers, whatever. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. It's disgusting. Hate having to talk about our teams when it's like this. I really do. It, it kills me inside to have to just decimate the entire franchise. And I didn't even get into the owner and Daryl Morey and all of this nonsense about uh, the the favoritism he's going to show towards Harden and he's going to be blind like I well I, this is going to be have to be a podcast series basically of us just talking about the Sixers on here but quickly 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 Eagles got James Bradbury uh, I think that's a huge move I think the Eagles are going to that just goes to show you the Eagles have solidified their defense they have a much better offense this year they're just going to be a much better team this year and they were already a pretty good team winning nine games last year so like. Uh, the Eagles are have a are something to be excited about. They have picks in the future. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts has all opportunity to succeed. Whether I think he's going to be good or not, I'm going to root for him because he's the Eagles' quarterback. He's on the Eagles, and I love the Eagles. So that that's that that that's where I'm at. There, uh, they have the the best op- one of the best offensive lines in the entire NFL. They have weapons, tight ends, wide receivers. They had, you know they had a like I just said a great offensive line to so their run game. They have a great running quarterback. Uh, the offense has all the capability to be elite this year. Defense, they, they've solidified the defensive line. The Jordan Davis, the Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham's coming back. Uh, Hassan Reddick, they, they have uh, you know linebackers. They, they got two elite, you know, well, they have an elite corner and they had an, uh, finally another good elite corner. You know, I keep saying elite, but I don't know if he's elite or not, but he's a very good corner to play on the other side of them. And then, you know, they have questionable safeties over the top, but hopefully those corners can make everything easy and those guys can just kind of play uh, center field and just make sure nothing gets beat over the top. But I think they're going to have a really good team this year and and the schedule is kind of um, easier, you know, on the surface. You never know until the season actually starts because the Eagles, they were told, we were told we had such a tough schedule last year and then we lost all the games to the good teams and we beat all the bad teams and made the playoffs. So I think we're going to be able to compete for the NFC East. I think uh, Dallas isn't as good as they were last year, and they lost some guys. 
I think the Eagles are going to be right in there in the thick of it, and I think uh, we're going to have to beat the Cowboys. It's pretty, pretty much what it comes down to. We can't get swept by the Cowboys again next year. And that's that. So let's move on to the Phils uh, quickly, 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 quickly. Phillies uh, had a good series in uh, L.A. The Phils are going back and forth. I don't want to kill too much time on the Phils because it's it's just such an up-and-down situation. They're 8-20. and 20. Uh, if you look at the standings, they are uh, a good amount of games out of first place. Seven games in the, in the uh, NL East, and uh, only two games out of the wild card. So that's they're they're still alive and still still in still in the um, you know in the thick of it, as I just said. And you just didn't have Bryce Harper for the whole series against the Padres. You lost one of two, or lost two of three. I what is going on here? I'm running out of gas. So much emotional energy spent on the Sixers. Yeah, you ran out. Of, you ran out of gas there. You you took three of four from the Dodgers. Should have swept the Dodgers, but the bullpen let you down there at the end. Dodgers come to town now with a huge. You know, every every series is huge. I told you this. This May is rough. There's a lot of good teams that the Phillies play that they they're gonna have to survive through all of this. You know, I mean, they went out west. They they won the series in the Mariners. They took care of the Dodgers three of four, and then the Padres series. They didn't hit well. They only scored three runs the whole series. This Dodgers series is going to be huge because they they just have they can't get killed they can't get swept they got to just maintain and stay afloat. Hopefully they'll get Bryce Harper back. Uh, you know, in in the near future the uh, Phillies lineup has not been released yet today for the for tonight's game, but uh, I'm hoping that they can get him back soon. We will. Uh, he's he's got a torn UCL in, in his elbow. He's not going to be able to play right field for a while. Uh, they're saying at least six weeks till he can throw again, and then it'll be longer even after until he can actually go out there and play, which is awful just because it's just going to put pressure on, you know, guys like Schwarber and Castellanos are going to have to play the outfield every day. And it's not, you know, the defense was already in question when you had the, one of those guys playing left field. Now you got to play one of them, you know, every day in each corner outfield position. Or, you know, you'll have one DH and then, have O'Double play right field, Roman Quinn play center. It's just not not an ideal situation, but Phils need to just keep keep it alive and keep maintaining. They have Suarez on the mound tonight against uh, Julio Urias, uh, which they the Phillies killed him uh, in L.A. this past week. You know, uh, I guess not this past weekend, but yeah, I guess this past weekend. This is the upcoming weekend if I can get my shit together. They got Nola on the mound tomorrow. And then on Saturday or Sunday, they will have Zach Eflin. So, Phils need to yeah, at least win one of these games. I'm, I'm, a, I'm trying not to be the two of three guy. And I'm trying not to, you know, I, I couldn't believe that they won three of four against the Dodgers. In L.A., they were hitting the ball. Harper was on fire. So, like I said, hopefully they can get Harper back. This team's completely different when Harper's out there. And a completely different lineup, I should say. And then they'll have the Braves, Mets. Giants, so Angels, it, it, it doesn't end. And then you got the Brew Crew. There's a lot of really good teams that are coming to town and that we're going to their towns. We're going to have to keep this shit going. Uh, Phil, or the Flyers, I believe, got the fifth pick in the draft. So that's that's the reward for sucking all season long. Hopefully they can get someone to uh, uh, begin to build this franchise around. And uh, that's the end of the Flyers talk there. So that, that, that's been the Hot Take Hotbox. My name is Matt McSweeney. Thank you for joining me as always. I'll be back with more quality content. This this was a rough, I got to say, rough episode. Rough episode. Just emotionally spent. 
Hopefully, I, I can rejuvenate myself. Uh, we'll probably have another podcast on Monday. Talk some more Sixers. Talk some more nonsense. And we will get after it. Thank you.